and Carrie's praying, I'm thinking, yeah, there's another way we're like Mary in that, you know, she knew, she knew at one level what was going on, totally oblivious at a deeper level what was going on. It's kind of where we're at. We know, you know, we know the Christmas story and we know at one level what Jesus has brought to our life and what the Holy Spirit can do, but at another level, we are just clueless to all that, all that he can do or all that Jesus has won for us. So we kind of... In, in that in that one place so you know i want to look at this morning it says it's the uh it's the bethlehem candle tradition says the second one is and so just to talk about clueless to what was going on that would seem to be the little town of bethlehem that we love to sing about and so that's i want to speak to to bethlehem and to some of the reality some of the parallels between what was going on then and what's going on now with us so in your bibles or on your device, let me have you turn to Luke chapter 1. That's kind of where I'm going to use and as, a, as a starting place for us this morning. Luke 1 and verse 26, when the angel goes to Mary. <clears throat> so, and if you're watching us on live stream, we really are hoping to give you a sense of community that, you know, so, some of you who are part of our church family, typically who are here, you've talked about what a step down you feel like it is to be on the live stream. You appreciate it, but it's just a disconnect. And so we just trying to come up with some ways that you can feel like you're more connected with us. So we really hope you've, you've commented in to let people know you're there. You've, you've greeted each other, the, the live stream community, and encourage you to just respond as you, as you think, see things along the way in the message or in the worship, just to give you a sense of, of being with us and experiencing this together. So we're in Luke chapter 1. I want to start in verse 26. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, which is good news. I mean, who wouldn't love to get that news? Angel shows up, tells you, God is good with you, you know. She is totally not ready for that next part. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. This is the sixth month with her, who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's jump over to chapter 2 and just read, read those beginning verses of when that birth took place. It says, In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was house, 
he was of the house and lineage of David to be, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And so, so Bethlehem, this little town that, that we sing about, we know about, it's become, become a spot. I want to talk about that in a little bit. Bethlehem, it just seems to me, you know, studying and thinking about the Bethlehem journey, it just it stuck out to me that Bethlehem is really a, a stopping place for all of us. Bethlehem has a place in all of our stories. It shows up here and there in the Old Testament at different places. Certainly shows up in Micah 5, 2, where, where Daphne read this prophecy that Jesus, the Messiah who's coming, would be born in Bethlehem. But it shows up in other places too. And it just struck me looking through those places that they kind of speak to different places along the way in our journey and where some of, some of you might be at this point, in this moment of, of your journey or some of you on the live stream where you may be in your journey. It might be why you're on the live stream in this, in this place. So you go, through, you go through the Old Testament and you find out that, boy, for the, the first time, one of the first times we find Bethlehem mentioned, it's, a, it's not a happy place. It's this place of sorrow. Jacob is speaking, he's speaking blessing over, over his children. And he says, as for me, when I came from Paddan, to my sorrow, Rachel died in the land of Canaan on the way. When there was still some distance to go to Ephrath, and I buried her there on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. But Jacob, who, as you know the story, he's got two wives and, and two mistresses, really, and Rachel is the one wife of his heart. That's the one wife that he deeply loved and had waited and worked 14 years for. And he's talking about that moment when, when his journey with her came to an end. And to my sorrow, I buried her on the way to Bethlehem. And some of us, you know, this, this part of our journey, this moment of our journey, you know, Bethlehem is that spot where we are now. It's just, it's a sad place. It's a sad season of your life. Maybe, the, maybe what's going on with COVID and maybe going on, what's going on with some other illness. It might be what's going on in a relationship or the end of a relationship or with work, wherever that is. It might just be a place that just associate, associates you or just where you're just feeling sad or you're just grieving and where that is. And so it could be a spot like that. Bethlehem might be a place that you got away from. There was, the, there was Bethlehem and, and you couldn't wait to get out of there. Because Elimelech, this man that you meet at the beginning of the book of Ruth, he lives in Bethlehem, and the economy has gone south on him, and farming is no good, and there's a famine, and so he runs away. He gets out of Bethlehem, takes his family, and gets out of there and goes to the land of Moab. And that may be where your story is for you in this season. It may be you have gotten away from there. It, you, it was, things were going south. Things were going south for you. Things were not going well. And so you just get out. You left that job. You left that relationship. You, you left that way of life. You left whatever it is. It might be a place that you're trying to get away from. Or on the flip side of that, you re keep reading the book of Ruth. It may be a place that you've come back to. It may be a place where you've come for a new start. Because when Naomi comes back to, to Bethlehem, it's to make a new start. It, it, was, it had a sad place for her. It was, you know, she's coming back alone, as the book of Ruth tells us, but she's coming and starting over. 
She doesn't have a lot of hope because remember they say, Naomi, you're back. She says, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara because God has made my life bitter. She started, I'm starting at zero, but it's a new start. And really, some of us in the room or some of you who are just checking out a church online because that's safer, it might just be because it's a, it's a time or it's a moment for a new start yeah. like it was for Naomi. And someone was talking earlier, I mean, that's one of the great things about the gospel. That's one of the great things about the Lord Jesus. He's always ready for a new start. He waits until it's a total new start. But, but when we get to that point, he, he's ready to go there. Or Bethlehem, we can think of Bethlehem in terms like David of just missing something that's gone by. So David's out in the battlefield, it tells us, and he's out at war, and it's at night, and maybe they're thinking about the battle the next day, and he's just with his, his couple of guys, you know, and in, when it talks about David's army, it talks about the three, you know, his best three warriors, probably his bodyguards, and then the 30, and then his army. So he's with some of them, and he's just thinking about home. He's thinking about Bethlehem, and it's this man, what I wouldn't give to get a drink from the well in Bethlehem. He's just missing that. He's just missing what was there. Maybe he's missing hanging around the well with his friends, whatever it was. He's just missing a moment. And, and sometimes that's where we are. We're just missing what used to be, or we're just missing something we just really used to enjoy. We're missing this moment because we're missing that moment. But, you know, and then you know how the story goes. His friends is so faithful soldiers. They break through enemy lines, get to the well, get him some water, and bring it back to him. And then you have the really crazy moment in the Bible where he dumps it on the ground because he says, I'm not worth risking people's lives for me to get a drink. We talk about friendship all around, how that goes. But all of that because he just missed something. He was just missing something. You know, Christmas, that's a time when we miss a lot of things. We miss how simple life used to be. You think your childhood, so those of us had, had positive childhoods, we have positive Christmas memories. We just miss how simple that was. Some of us miss people that are just not here this Christmas. We miss situations that have changed, what you can't do this Christmas, maybe what you've done other Christmas. Certainly nobody's doing this Christmas what we've normally done. We've talked about our Christmas Eve service, and that's going to be a virtual experience this year. You're just missing that. And that's what Bethlehem was to David in, in that point. Or, or Bethlehem, for, for Jeremiah and the people in Jeremiah's day, it was, it was just somewhere they were stopping on the way. So in Jeremiah, the Babylonian Empire has just come in and demolished the kingdom of Israel. They've sacked Jerusalem. They've, they've really ripped the temple apart and stolen anything of value in that. And they've left just a few people in there. And the few people that are left in Israel, they're nervous that they might come back one more time. The, the Babylonians, they made three invasions. The third time left hardly anybody. But these people are pretty nervous, rightfully. And so they say, you know what? We are better off to go to Egypt than to hang around here waiting for them to come a fourth time. Even though through the prophet Jeremiah, God is saying, listen, you just stay there now. I've, I've punished as much as I need to punish. You just stay there. But they drag, eventually they do drag Jeremiah to, Egypt, to uh, Egypt. But in the midst of that, they say, and they went and they stayed at Geruth Chimham near Bethlehem, intending to go to Egypt. So for them, Bethlehem, that was just a stop on the way. That's just a stop on the way. 
You know, Pastor and I were talking over the years how many people we found for Cottage Hill. It was just a stop on the way. You know, sometimes people come to Cottage Hill or, or church in general, and they think it's going to be a long-term stop. But then you find out what the gospel demands of you. I mean, the gospel's free. I remember seeing a quote one time, the entrance fee to the kingdom of heaven is, is free, but the annual dues are everything. Isn't that a great perspective? I mean, it's everything. You just find out, I mean, when people come to Jesus, he says, fine, if you're willing to give me everything, come. But if you're not willing to give me everything, then wait until you are. And so we've had a lot of people come along the way. They stop at Cottage Hill. They think they're ready, they think they're ready to do this journey wholeheartedly and then find out they're not or the cost is too high or the temptation for something is too great or they just lose interest. Whatever that is, Bethlehem was just a stop. Cottage Hill was a stop. Jesus was a stop. Whatever that is. Sometimes you can have a relationship with someone that you think, this might go somewhere, and you find it, no, that was just a stop for this person. That's hard. Or you had a job, or all of these things we fit in. You find out that Bethlehem, in that way, it's just a stopping place, and now you're under reality. And the last, the last one I find out Old Testament, and there are others, but for me is, for, for Ruth, Bethlehem was a place she found out was home. I mean, she came from Moab. She's a Moabite. The law of Moses said that a Moabite shouldn't be allowed into the temple for generations because of how they treated Israel on the Exodus journey. But Ruth, she finds home in, the, in Bethlehem. When she comes home with Naomi, Naomi's starting over. Ruth is just starting, and she's finding home. And people talk about her as though she'd be home. Hey, Ruth the Moabitess, who's taking good care of Naomi. Ruth the Moabitess, who God provides a relationship for in Boaz, she finds home in, in Bethlehem, which is why I hope people find it at Cottage Hill. I think if this is the place, and we certainly don't feel like we're the church for everybody. We, I'm so grateful for our sister, sister churches in the area, but I'm so grateful for those of us that have found home Amen. here, or more importantly, you found home in a relationship with Jesus enough to keep going and, and moving forward with him. So Bethlehem, it really has a place in all of our stories. But the focus that I want to bring is just to the, the place it had in, in David and Jesus' stories because there's this tie to, to both of their stories. It, it has a place in, in both of their stories. Uh, Bethlehem does. It'll, tell, it'll let you know that David was from Bethlehem. That was his hometown. When you meet them in 1 Samuel 17, it says, now David was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons. That's important to the story. And in Saul's time, he was very old. And of course, Saul's the first king of, of Israel. David will become the second king of Israel. Their stories are both tied there. <clears throat> Do you notice when we were reading in, in Luke 1 and then Luke 2, you saw David's name appear a couple of times. In the birth story of Matthew 1 and, and Luke 1 and 2, you're going to see David's name mentioned seven times because their stories are tied together. And Bethlehem is one of the things that, that uh, keeps them in place. And everyone knew. Everyone knew David, Bethlehem, and Jesus, Bethlehem. They knew that. They expected that. They were looking for that. They're both there. <clears throat> But it's not like Bethlehem was this tourist spot. Bethlehem, you, you've read, it really was, was not a place people wanted to go. It, uh, 
it was a small town. It was when they divided the land after they conquered it in Jericho and went in and battled it out. They divided it up among the 12 tribes of Israel. And Bethlehem's right at the, the northern part of the tribe of Judah. It was, on a, it was on a fairly large hill, top of a fairly large hill. It was really good farming in that town. And, and then that was about it. It wasn't, it wasn't that you, you had your two-week summer vacation <clears throat> and you said, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go there. Nobody really would want to do that. It would be more like visiting family. But it was very important on the map for the Jews. They understood this is going to be an important place geneal genealogically. Once, once you have Micah written, they knew that the line of the Messiah was going to make a stop in Bethlehem. It was, it was important prophetically that way once they got this prophecy. And they would all know that. In fact, people that rejected Jesus are arguing about him. And they say in John 7, now, hasn't the scripture said that Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where Jesus was? Uh, the, I'm sorry, the village where David was? They're having that argument because... The Messiah is not coming out of Nazareth. You know, Nazareth was a place you avoided. They all were aware. No, he's coming from Bethlehem. But at that time, it really wasn't much, but it had this important role that they, that they knew what was coming. Now Bethlehem's a huge tourist spot. It's a Palestinian village. When Nate and Don take groups over to the Holy Land with Abraham's heart, they've, passed, they've partnered in the past with this Bethlehem Christian school and gone there and worked with them, you know, brothers and sisters who are reaching people in Bethlehem in Jesus' name. Everyone wants to go there. It's, it's hard to get there sometimes, and it's a political place now. It's the birthplace of, man, it's the birthplace of David, king of Israel. But, but not at that time. At that time, it was kind of David who? You know, but now everyone wants to be there. It's the birthplace of. Do you ever notice, and I, I don't know why this stuck out to me as a kid. You know how some things just stand out to you? I just remember when we'd come down this way and we'd drive back home to Manchester, New Hampshire, through Worcester. In Worcester, have you ever seen that sign that says birthplace of Robert Goddard? Anybody seen that? It's right just before you get to, to uh, Holy Cross the father of modern rocketry or something like that, the birthplace of. So I was thinking to myself, boy, Manchester, New Hampshire, I Googled that, birthplace of, birthplace of Rene Gagnon. Does anybody know that name? Grant, I'm very disappointed in you because it's in a book you let me listen to. Rene Gagnon, first of all, I didn't realize was a custodian in my high school, which is not why he was in the book. He's in the book because he was one of the Marines that raised the flag on Iwo Jima. Yeah, when I read that, I thought, this guy was, he was a custodian in my high school? And nobody knew that? Manchester, New Hampshire, birthplace of, ready for this? Adam Sandler. Oh, you want to be more impressed? My mom had Adam Sandler as a student. Yeah. So, yep. She wasn't impressed. So, yeah, birthplace of. Wow, that's birthplace, imagine that, of King David. Birthplace of Jesus Christ. That becomes important because 47 times the Old Testament, they're not going to refer to it as Bethlehem, they're going to call it the city of David. And that's how it becomes known, this, this place that was so kind of obscure and, and off the map and that kind of got launched into being a tourist place. Now, proud of being the place where Jesus was born. 
I remember in, in Bible school, they told us, uh, you know, if you ever go to Israel, you're going to find out wherever anything happened that Jesus did, they built a church on the exact spot. And so, yeah, if you go to the Holy Land, the guys tell us there's a church you can go down in, you can see the exact spot where Jesus was born. Or you can go to the exact spot where he's buried, or the exact spot, wherever it is, they built a church there. And I'm sure there's a souvenir shop there for, for whatever. So those things that happen. Jesus and David, they're both tied to Bethlehem. But it's Bethlehem's reaction to both of them that gets tied to our story. And that's where, you know, as Carrie prayed, that's where we've got to really lean in to what the story says. Because the reality was they're tied there, but Bethlehem did not realize what they had there. They did not realize what they had. If you had said David, they would have said, David, isn't he that scrawny kid that, that Jesse had? David is so insignificant. Remember when the prophet Eli, uh, the prophet Samuel comes to his father's house because God's rejected Saul as the king. He's going to anoint the new king. So he tells Samuel, you go to Jesse's house and anoint one of his sons. Doesn't tell him which son. And so he goes to Jesse's house and Jesse's so honored. One of my boys, line up the boys. And they lined up in in age order, and here they come, and it says that Samuel looks at the first one, he's big and strong and good-looking, he thinks, this is the guy, and nothing. And the next one, nothing, nothing. And the Lord says to Samuel, don't look on the outward, you know, man looks on the outward appearance. I look at the heart. That's what I'm looking for, is the right heart, which is still what he looks for. Sometimes, sometimes we're looking to fill a ministry position here, and we have to tell ourselves, don't look at ability, Look at heart. You know, is it the right spirit? Is this person one spirit with us? How that goes. So it goes through all the sons and nobody. And so Samuel has to say to Jesse, is this all the sons you have? I love this moment. You know, is this all the boys you have? Oh my goodness. Yeah, I got one more. And he's out in the field. And so they bring David in. And wait, why is that? Because they didn't realize what they had there. They had the one who would become the greatest king of Israel. You know, he'd become the expander king. Solomon would become the greatest king in terms of riches and prominence. But David, he'd be the greatest warrior king they would ever have. And he was right there. And they didn't realize that. And they didn't, they didn't know that. He was, he was anointed. He was raised up by God. But nobody was really impressed by that. They had a treasure. And they had a hope. And they had a deliverer. And they were totally oblivious to that. And then years later, they have the next opportunity when Jesus comes. They have Jesus born right there. And what does the story tell us in, in Luke chapter 2? It tells us that he goes from one place to another. And they keep telling him, no room. Look at this. At the beginning of, of chapter 2, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. So God on the throne of heaven is orchestrating everything that needs to be orchestrated to get Jesus born in Bethlehem. Because Mary and Joseph, they're comfortably in Nazareth. And that pregnancy is developing. And she's getting bigger and more uncomfortable and less excited about traveling. And then the word comes that they've got to travel. And so God orchestrates that through the Caesar of the day, the, the emperor of the world, that, as they knew it then, of their part of the world, to get them to Bethlehem while she's still pregnant and not delivering, but close enough that she'll have the baby while she's there. God is orchestrating all of that. And on Bethlehem's side, it's no room here, no room here. 
goes to, goes to the inn, people's homes where they have extra places. Nope, 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 nope. And, and they're just going in that. Point. And those of us that have kids, we know that panicky feeling of when the child is coming, when this, when this baby's coming, especially your firstborn. You just have no clue. You haven't done this before. You don't know. You're just, you know, you're nervous or whatever. <laughs> That's a whole other story. I just, <laughs> let me just say, I missed that part of our, of our uh, firstborn. Yeah. Whether God knew I couldn't handle it, I was just totally numbed out. Some of that is the seminary's fault, actually. They wouldn't interrupt chapel to tell me that Cindy was, Cindy was you know, delivering or ready. So, yeah. But the secondborn... Yeah, I remember that one. I remember rushing, we're getting up with Josh. It was early, early morning. It was like 4.30 or 5. We're driving the backwoods. We saw some deer on the way to the hospital, which was pretty cool. But we're just going there. We're rushing. So here's Joseph. He's got this panic mode, and he can't find a place. Most scholars agree that when they, when they are in a manger, they're probably in a cave, not in a barn, that they're probably in a cave where, where Jesus is born. So here is Bethlehem that has, you know, the heritage of King David. Now they, offer the oper- they know that the Messiah will one day be born there. They know that. Maybe that's their sign coming into town. Bethlehem, home of Matthew 5-2, future home of the Messiah. We don't know when, but it'll be here. And they totally miss the moment. And so here is Jesus born and and. The shepherds are the only ones that find out about that and respond, and respond to that, and they come. Not here, not now. That's kind of how everybody else feels. Boy, can we track with Bethlehem in that way? Not now. Not now. Especially if, when we get to the point where we realize how much Jesus is requiring of us. He's giving us everything he has, but to experience that, he's requiring everything back from us. And so many of us, so often we respond with, not now, not that much, like they did. And, and so they miss out on that. It's really interesting, we're in, we're in Luke, so turn over to Luke 13, because Jesus, this was pretty steady experience of the Lord Jesus. So in Luke 13, 34, he's going to look over the city, and he's going to say, Luke 13, 34, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets, stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. That's kind of just the theme. What I would have done, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't let me. Boy, that's a theme of my journey what Jesus would have loved to do in me, what he would love to do through me. And for so many bad reasons, I said, not now or not that much. That's all of our stories. You know, we're coming into Christmas, the celebration of Jesus coming. We gotta, as as followers of Jesus, we gotta lock into not the coming, but what is he doing now that he's here? And what is he calling out of me and you because he's here? And how do I not miss that? How do I not realize what I have there? You know, how many times have I sat down with couples who just cannot work this marriage thing out and they don't realize what they have there. What they have there 
It's the love of Jesus that can conquer those, those struggles that they have. What they have there is the mind of Christ that can, can rethink, you know, redirect their thoughts of the other person and of themselves. What they have there is the power of Jesus to heal the things in their past that, that complicate these relationships. We don't realize what you have there. Those of us that wrestle with fear or you wrestle with anxiety or you wrestle with anger, you don't realize what you have there. And you, you end up like you're living in Bethlehem. Bethlehem that had David, Bethlehem that had Jesus. If they would have known, they would have made room. You know, if, if Mary could have said it, maybe they did say, I never thought of that. Maybe Joseph is going to the doors. Listen, I know it's hard to believe. My son is carrying the Messiah. Can we please have a room? You know, nice, nice one, buddy. I've never heard anybody use that one, but no, the answer is still no. But if they had known, they would have made room. There's part of the Christina's house uh, Christmas thing last night. Was if you bought these one things, you're entering your drawing for a TV. I don't know if it's a 70-inch TV. It was big. It's bigger than ours. And so, you know, we bought the thing not because of the TV, but if we get the TV, you know what? I'm making room for that. <laughs> Whatever that is. I am making room for it. It doesn't matter if it doesn't look good there. You're making room, right? Like you would. You get a PS5, you are making room for that. You're moving the picture of mom or whatever that is. You are, you are putting that there, the PS5. When we were in seminary, uh, our first Christmas was joy. We were in Dallas. It was a, we were hoping it was our last Christmas there. Uh, we were all by ourselves, me, Cindy, and Joy, and it was so special till about 10 o'clock in the morning. And then it was like, okay, what are we going to do? And so we were in a small group of a bunch of us young marrieds and some of us new parents. And so we called our small group leader. And we just said, um, hey, what are you doing for Christmas? We're trying to think, how do we invite ourselves over there? You know, how do you invite yourself to a Christmas celebration on Christmas? And uh, boy, Bill and Jane Couture, what great people they were. Uh, are. And so they said, come over, come over. First time I ever had lasagna for Christmas dinner, uh, but that was good. But Bill, he got an authentic pinball machine for Christmas. That is probably my memory of being over there that Christmas. A real one, not one of the little tabletop ones. A real, like, old-fashioned bowling alley pinball machine. And you know what they did? They made room for that. They did. They, I don't know, I can see where it is in the living room. I, that's where I learned their strategies to pinball machines. Why? Because we played that thing for hours and hours, and we would get to small group early to play it more because they had made room for it, and we were taking advantage of it. Yeah. <laughs> now, Bethlehem, no room, no room, no room. And really, if we don't live with Jesus as Lord of all, we're living in Bethlehem. No room. Got some room. I got a cave you can have, and you can have some influence over me, and I can go out and get you when I need some hope or some peace or I need to be encouraged. But to live here, to give you space in, in the home, no room. And we actually, we have a booklet on the information table called My Heart, Christ's Home. We often give it to people that are surrendering their lives to Jesus. 
grab one on the way out. If, that's, if you're re- wrestling with, does Jesus have control of my whole life? It's just a great little story of picturing what it looks like when Jesus takes over your whole space and, and when you make room for him. Think of Jesus' whole life. His whole life. He goes from Luke 2, 7. She gave birth to her firstborn son. You know, your firstborn, you are so careful. You know, you're not sure how easily they break. And so she wraps him carefully in, in cloths and lays him in a manger because, you know, there's no place for him in the inn. And then turn over to chapter 9 when Jesus, who must have always had people coming up to him and want to be part of the, part of the crew, in chapter 9 and verse 58, or let me start in verse 57, Luke 9, 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. I, I will make room for you. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Still true of him. No room in the inn. He's, he's having a hard time finding places to stay. He's got some friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, that welcome him in when he goes Peter's family takes him when he's up in Capernaum. But now that he's on the road, you can follow me. Just want you to know, there's no best Western. It's just following me. That's kind of the thread of his life. And then where does that go? It goes here in Revelation when he's writing a letter and he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. What does that mean? It means Jesus is on the outside trying to come in. Now, he's writing that. We use this verse, we all do, with, with the people that need to come to Jesus. And we say, listen, he's standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking and if you open up, he'll come in. That's a great picture. This is written to believers. You're in, you're in early Revelation in chapter two and three. Those are the letters to the seven churches. He's writing to believers and he's saying, I'm on the outside. If anybody hasn't noticed, I'm on the outside trying to come in. And, and I'm not barging my way in. I'm just knocking. And if you'll let me in, I will come in. And of course, see the picture of eating. But the reality, I will come in and do things in you. You can't even ask or imagine, Ephesians says. But you've got to let me in first. He's writing to believers, not just, he's not writing to Corinthians. He's writing to believers he says in, in the verses before this, who really think they're in a good place, that they're okay. And he says, you think you're rich, but you're not. So here we are this morning. It's just so important that we, that we listen to this message and we hear this and we think, well, Jesus, I've got Jesus in my, you know, I've got him in my heart. I'm making room for him in my life. The question is not, are you making room? Is it, does he have all the room? Does he have all of it? Can he, in, the, in this booklet, My Heart, Christ's Home, it says he just goes room to room. He goes into your kitchen and see, what are you feeding yourself? He goes into your recreation room to see, what's he, what are you doing there? He goes into a place where you relax and then he, he finds this locked closet and wonders if he can go in there. That's all. I'm just making room for you, Lord. I'm just giving you space to go wherever it is in my life that you want to go. Making room. You get into Matthew and when the Magi, when the wise men show up, they know right away Bethlehem. Herod comes to them and says, I got a question for you. Where will the king of the Jews be born? Everybody answers. I always picture that. I always, you get these Bible pictures in your mind. 
I picture that question, when he asked that question, like a second grade classroom, who knows the answer? And it's the answer everybody knows. So I picture all of these Pharisees and everybody going, oh, 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 pick me, pick me. Because everybody knows Bethlehem. That's an easy one. If, when Herod came in and asked a question, you never knew what he was going to ask. Bethlehem. But nobody went to Bethlehem. Nobody went the six miles to see if just maybe the Messiah really had been born. See, they heard the news. Surely they would have heard the news. Now they've got wise men coming from a long way away. Now they've got the king who wonders. But nobody, nobody's interested enough. It's not worth the trouble for them to go to Bethlehem. Which is where we, where we may be today. Hey, maybe while you're on live stream, because it's not worth the trouble. You want enough of Jesus, but not that much of Jesus. And he just doesn't operate that way. That's how we see it at the start in the Gospels. Or you go with your own agenda. Herod sent people to Bethlehem and even said they were going to worship. But they were going to make sure nothing threatened life the way he wanted it to be. And wow, can we fall into that one? Uh, I want to I go to Jesus. I do not want that to threaten my way of life. I do not want that to threaten what's going on right now. I don't want it to disrupt because pretty much wherever Jesus went, he disrupted things for good. But, but Herod, Herod, he went. You only really have the Magi, who are pretty pagan, really. They just have a sign from God, and they're following it. They're not sure where it's going. They're just following it. And then they get to Jerusalem. They think that's the end of the journey, because, of course, he's a king. Here's the capital city. Here's the palace. Here's the king. You're the king, but there's a new king. And then they find out, no, you're going to go a little further to Bethlehem. And they go where they need to go to find what they're looking for. That's Magi. And they end up in Bethlehem. And they see, they see who they're looking for. You know, he's a little bit older, but they find what they're looking for. Because Why was that? Because they knew what the treasure was at Bethlehem. When nobody else did, they knew what it was. So, Bethlehem, it says a lot more about us than it does about, about Jesus or about David. It, says, it speaks to us and to, do we know the treasure that was born in Bethlehem? Do we know what a treasure that was? We know it's a Savior, and a lot of us are here because we've, we've confessed our sins to Jesus, and we understand he's paid for them all and given us the gift of forgiveness and salvation and eternal hope. We know the Savior peace we wrestle with this the, the lord peace am i going to give him am i going to give him everything see bethlehem it does it says a lot more about us than it says it's just a starting point for jesus he fulfills prophecy like we talked about last week and he moves on from there but for us it just constantly challenges us with with what is jesus to us and so here we are you know we're celebrating jesus we're going to sing Little Town of Bethlehem at some point, but it's the place, it's the place where it all started. It's the place that had this treasure of David and eventually realized that treasure of Jesus and all through the course of his life never really embraced that. And that's a challenge to us this morning. We've got this treasure. You know, s some of us in the room or on, on live stream, maybe you finally need to just surrender your life to this treasure and, and ask him to be your savior. 
just humbly bow before him and realize he's the savior of the world. He's going to be the judge of the world. He's going to judge sin. And it's either going to be the judgment that he's taken on himself or it's the judgment that you pay for eternity. Or, or we come to him and realize you are Lord of all. Someday I want, I'm, I'm so anxious for you to be Lord of all and to make this political mess of the world right. But he's Lord of all now and needs to have total control. And will write things that we have messed up. And will make Bethlehem, for all those different reasons people went there in the Old Testament, it'll make it the place where you can start new, the place where you find a new beginning, good beginning, the place where you sense being at home, at home. So let's pray together. Lord, we're so thankful for these elements of the Christmas story, so familiar to us. So thankful to you, Holy Spirit, for what you just revealed to us and, yeah, insights into them. What are the parts of the story that, that we need to hear at a given moment? just seems like that's the piece we really need to hear right now. Do we know what we have when we talk about Jesus? I just want to pray for those who've not yet invited you to, to be their Savior. People watching that might have come to a service or might have come to a recovery or to youth group, but yet haven't given you their lives, haven't asked you to save them and to wash away all that stuff and to make them new. And those of us, Lord, you know, that I'm so burdened for, that have walked a while with you and, and our lives have been cleaned up and they're, they're pretty good Christian lives as we would think of it, but not surrendered and not totally empowered by you. So God, I just want it for myself, for our church, I just want to lay that down. You show me the areas where I need to make room for you. You show me those areas of my life that are clutter. You know, you show me that, that door that's locked that I try to keep you from going into. Show me those things, Lord, because I want the full experience of you. And I want that for all of us. So, Holy Spirit, you know what that is and how to get us there. So we just surrender ourselves to you to do that in us. We've got a world that's in darkness that needs to see what that looks like that needs to believe that that can take place. And so just give ourselves to you to that end and to your glory. Amen. Amen. Great. Hey, we got a, we got a song that just slides right into that. The team's going to lead us in. So let's stand and sing.
Let's just say that out loud together, that line, you know, and I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. Let's just say that together. And I will make room for you to do whatever you want to do. God, however scary that is or hopeful that is, that's our heart in Holy Spirit. You've got to step into that and, and help us so that that becomes reality. Hey, just two things just want to make you aware of. One is that uh, we want to partner with Between the Bridges Ministry uh, this month and just uh, bring in winter coats for them. Uh, they're a ministry that has a worship service among the homeless Sunday mornings. And then uh, our friend Larry Freeman and his team minister among the homeless in the city in different ways. So whether you have, who doesn't have extra winter coats around or fleeces they can wear under a coat. So we'll just be collecting those this month for that. And then Wednesday night, you know, I mentioned last week, you know, we're so blessed with the core of people that come out every Wednesday. We want to reach out to those of you that, that don't typically come out. To, it's an important message we just hear. We've heard from a, a pastor, uh, you know, a colleague at Times Square Church, just speaking to this time in America and how to be ready as a follower of Jesus for what might be coming for us, not politically, but just in the culture. So just challenge you to, to come out for that. So... And scripture tells us rejoice with those who rejoice. And so, hey, we just want to celebrate with Ryan and with Olivia who got engaged this week. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. And I saw Doug's got like a list of 30 things you got to do to be worthy of this, you know. So, and then the elders have added another 30. So, yeah. So, yeah, yeah really. Like, yeah, 14 years, brother. Yeah. <laughs> No. Yeah. So you said you leave in two days to go back to Canada. Yeah. So, hey, Ryan, we want you to just close us out. Just pray us out. So we're glad to have you home for a while. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everyone. I, I love uh, the, the welcoming spirit here. It's, I feel so, so loved and welcomed. And um, yeah, bless you all. So, Jesus, I thank you for this body, for this house, what you're doing here in Springfield and the region. God, I just pray that you continue this work, that you would draw everyone, people, to yourself, especially in this Christmas season, God, that people that are hungry and desperate for you would come and find place in this home, in this church body, that, God, you would use these people to be your hands and feet in a tangible way. Holy Spirit, would you empower us to do that? God, would we be so full of love and life and joy that it just flows out of us wherever we go. God, bless these people and uh, just increase their capacity. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Hey, I'm going to ask Jen and Gavin just to be available to pray with you. Hey, if you're on the live stream, 
and you need prayer, just post that. And, and if you're part of the church family, just reach out to that person and, and let's be a family and ministering over the internet as much as we are in the room. So, great. Have a great week serving the Lord.